From Charlottetown, Prince Edward Island, Canada, this is the Rook.ca podcast for May 31st, 2005. When the Central Farmers Co-op on Queen Street closed in 2003, downtown Charlottetown was left without a grocery store. When the co-op closed, it was the last grocery store left south of Allen Street, and people living downtown were for the first time in 50 years left without a place to buy food that we could walk to. Uh, The closing of the co-op is really just the last gasp of a once vital collection of corner grocery stores all over downtown Charlottetown. Uh, Talk to anyone who's over 45 or 50 and they remember it as a a really vital retail food marketplace. Now quick on the heels of the closing, there were a series of meetings of downtown residents uh, spurred on by Catherine Hennessy and there was a general consensus that downtown needed a grocery store, especially if it was going to, to grow and flourish as a residential neighborhood but there was little agreement on on how such a store would be viable and who would run it and and just how it would work. Now, over the years since the co-op closed, a a couple of smaller grocery stores have come and gone. First was the Uncommon Grocer, located right beside the co-op. It was more of a health food store than a general-purpose grocery store, and I don't think it ever really found its, its customers, or at least the customers it needed to thrive, and it closed in the fall of 2002. Now, most recently was the Cool Dog Deli up on uh, Upper Queen Street, uh, Queen Street, just north of Houston. It sold a, a mixture of local bread and produce and meat, some ready-to-eat food from Karen LaRonde, and it opened last fall, the fall of 2004. It, it ran over the winter, and it closed this spring. Now, I, uh, I gave Cindy Burton a call. Cindy was owner and operator of the Cool Dog Deli. Uh, we talked about what her original idea was. Uh, how the experience went, some of the challenges she faced, why she ended up closing the deli, and and really what advice she would give to people trying to do the the same thing again in future. Cool Dog Deli was very much, and it's not a finished project by any means, but that was sort of a stage one of go in and learn about what people are really looking for in in terms of downtown. I've always had a a working relationship with um, the agricultural community, and specific the organic community, and we're always looking for ways to how do we help them sell more products, especially to islanders. And so knew, knowing that I had time to kill, literally while waiting to get my distillery off the ground, Cool Dog Deli just simply presented itself as an opportunity to get in for me to learn a little bit about the retail food industry and to learn a little bit more about what people are really looking for in terms of food. I had a good sense of where we thought the market might be but until we actually got in there and figured out, okay, who is the market, how much of it is drawn locally, how much of it is people looking for, for other things, you know, we really weren't sure. Local, good food that was in the perishable range. So fresh meats, fresh eggs, fresh local cheese, um, fresh local baked goods from a variety of bakers, that's sort of number one. They like being able to stop in and get that. They really like if you can also put on top of that some international cheeses and some other things, that's sort of number one. So because everybody's going through bread, milk, eggs, those basics over and over and over again. The second thing they were looking for was interesting food to go at a good price. So not, you know, super high end, um, very much along the lines of what Karen LaRonde is doing. She's very much on the right track that people are realizing that, you know, they want to eat well. They want to eat innovatively. They want to try different things, but they don't have the time to be able to go out and learn how to do it. They don't necessarily have the entire well-stocked kitchen to say, oh, look, do I have lemongrass today? You know, they would like to be able to experience these things. They're realizing that if they can do it in a budget type of setting, that they can afford to eat very well and be able to try new things all the time. 
people are looking for a place they can go into at least every second day. They go in one day and they're picking up just some lunch. You know, they want to have uh, see what the soup is, or they go in on a regular basis. They get their bread there, their milk there. They like the idea that something is small and easy to get in and out. I mean, there's nothing worse than uh, I learned it firsthand watching people that I have to go in and get four things in Superstore. I mean, they just want to slit their wrists. They just don't want to go through, oh, my gosh. You know, they can tolerate that probably once a week. But absolutely, oh, I have to run in and just get something quick. So Cool Dog Deli, if we'd had more money, that's an area where we could have had more depth, you know, a better range of soy milk and yogurt and all the kinds of things that people, they want to get every second day. It was definitely driving crowd, um, and that's, it was, we would have had a chance to build up more of the local crowd had we been able to sort of keep going and go through the summer, because I think we would have then gotten to know the local people, they'd have become more comfortable, well, what do you guys actually carry, you know, they'd have come through that part of the season, but initially it was the driving crowd. I let the location pick me, um, and I do that a lot, especially when I'm going to experiment with a business. You know, you go and just see what's available and kind of look at your options. The other thing was when I walked in and I saw it for the first time, I mean, I knew it hadn't been used in a long time. I knew it was in really rough shape. I could see that, but I, they had pulled out a bunch of black and white pictures of what the store had looked like in its heyday. And when I saw that, I realized that, yeah, there is enough of a neighborhood right here, and this could be done again, and this is what people are looking for. So I knew that underneath all the stuff that had piled up over the years and that needed to be fixed, I knew underneath there was a really good functioning all-purpose store. And, you know, that totally did it. No, I had done, I've run restaurants, which is an entirely different animal than retail food. And that it was something I had never touched before. It was great because, I mean, you have to, if you think about retail food, you actually, it's like dozens of businesses all laid on top of each other. I mean, the bakery department in, in and of itself is a study in in what do people buy and what things do they prefer, when do they like to come in, what time of day do they buy, how much will they spend, what things go together. I mean, you can lose yourself just in one department. Now if you add on meat, cheese, dairy, produce, you start laying things on top of each other, it becomes really complex if you want to do it well. So I can see why it takes some, some effort, but I think if, uh, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to do this was to see if we can create a model that's easy for people to replicate so that they don't have to go through the learning curve I did. And, you know, in terms of uh, understanding the perishability and life cycle of a product, I mean, it sounds really simple, but when you have, let's put 400 products in front of you and now start juggling them in your head, what's moving where, and to develop the systems to make sure that you rotate through. Uh, one of the things that Pete Luckett had um, taught me was that if you're going to do food, make sure you consume and produce value-added as well. So to be in retail food and just in retail food would kill any group. But if you can take the eggs and, you know, when you know that you've got two dozen left, you can cook with them. You know, same thing with your vegetables. And you keep rotating them through and they become the soups and the pastas and the special sauces and the dips and the other things. Then you're rotating it through and that gives you the value-added and reduces your waste. It's the only way you could make money in that scenario. Is by doing both, you get the, the you get the repeatability of people needing bread, eggs, and milk on a regular basis. Plus, you get the value-added food takeout, which uses your front-end stuff. It has been incredibly consolidated into a few hands of who sells what, and other than 
when you break it out and go beyond that. If you're brave enough to then open yourself to all the little local suppliers, then it's great. But otherwise, you're tied down to probably two or three major food suppliers on the island. That's it. You have no choices. You carry what they carry. And if you want to start going outside of that, then you're having to go and source one by one by one. And so it takes some work to develop a system and also to get to know what works for them. You know, the really seasoned suppliers that worked with me, it was great because they, they kept me online and they showed me how to move forward. The ones who were new to it, we ended up both making mistakes, driving us both crazy. Absolutely never carry anything that's on the sort of dry goods shelves in Superstore. It's, it's absolutely the kiss of death. If you can stay to the stuff that's local, fresh, perishable, or you know local produced, then you're never getting into that competition game, and that's what people are more looking for anyways. It was, a, it was a group of factors. I mean, I, what I wanted to do was I wanted to say, okay, if I had this much money and I wanted to get into this game, how far can you take it? What are the things that are going to kill you? And let it run its life cycle. And that's really hard. You know, a lot of people look at stuff and think, oh, well, you know, I can't try that. It'd be a failure or whatever. Sometimes you've got to go out and you've got to let it fall apart. You've got to push it as hard as you can and say, okay, at what point does it start to come off? What point do the wheels fall off? Okay, keep going. What part does the roof come off? And if you don't know those things, you never know how far you can push it. That was stage one. I've never done retail food before. I learned a ton. It was fun. And I would be moving on, but there's something else stepping in right now. Get this next ball in motion. Cool Dog Daily will come back in its new form from all the things that we've learned. Now I would say, okay, I've tried all those areas. I know which part works, which part doesn't work. We'll do it again. So, yeah, not all business is meant to succeed. That was Cindy Burton on the birth and challenges of running a small local grocery store in downtown Charlottetown. You can email Cindy at cindy at cooldogs.ca or visit her website at bigdogsolutions.ca. At the February 2003 meeting of Charlottetown City Council, it was reported that the Economic Development Committee is in discussions with other people and stores to try to bring a grocery store downtown once Island Food Center closes February 15th. Two years later, in February 2005, Councillor Kim Devine reported discussions are still ongoing regarding a grocery store in the downtown area. At the March 2005 meeting, Councillor Ken Gillis noted that the Downtown Revitalization Committee and Mr. Atkinson are actively working on seeking a grocery store for downtown. This has been the Rook.ca podcast for May the 31st, 2005. Visit rook.ca for more information, to post comments, or to get in touch. This is Peter Rukavina.